You're tuned into the Bill Riley Show from the Valley Collision Studios of ESPN 700. Here's Bill Riley. Hour two on a Wednesday, Hump Day edition of the Bill Riley Show. ESPN 700. Eight days from the Utes and the Gators, ten days from the Cougs and the uh, Sam Houston State, whatever they are, and uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes and the uh, Utah State Aggies in about ten days as well. Uh, talk a little football as we do every week here on the Bill Riley Show with our good buddy, Riley Nelson, who's got a pretty good feel on state football, played a little bit of football up in Cache Valley where he's from, played a little down in the... Uh, the Utah Valley, and, of course, follows football all over the place here. Um, we're getting closer, man. We're in single-digit days now, at least for Utah, and almost single-digit days for the Cougs and the Ags. Almost there. Uh, by the way, Bearcats with a K. Oh, that's so right. Uh, you, you, gave me a good, you gave me a good little trivia. That's a good trivia answer for, you know, as we're getting around trying to kill time before the games get going here in a few short days. See, I should have known that because Utah played them in basketball. Uh, early last year, and I should have remembered that they are the Bearcats with a K, which is unusual. Yeah, so there you go. The uh, Coug- Bill, I got my. Uh, oh, I mean, go I'm ahead. Going to start wherever you were. You you told me last week though we got uh, we got uh, schedule and record predictions. So oh yeah, yeah, no, we're gonna get we're gonna get to those at the end. We're gonna build toward that. We're gonna have Riley Nelson. I've got the over under set here, uh, based on what Vegas has said for Utah, BYU, and Utah State. And I'm going to have Riley give us his overs or unders and then the overall record that we'll get from both squads or from all three squads. But we'll get to that coming up here in just a few minutes uh, on the program here on ESPN 700. So as we get to this point in time, as we kind of kind of get closer and closer, camp is over. Um, what, what, what's the focus now? How, how do you guys begin to turning the, turn the attention to a, uh, to a, a first opponent? In Utah's case, it's Florida. Utah State's case, it's Iowa. BYU's case, it's Sam Houston State. So probably not nearly as much urgency, but what, what's the, the, the eight, nine, ten days before kickoff look like, Riley? So you shift from, uh, installs and putting in, uh, and running all the plays near, coming out to practice and in your script, you could have, any play in the playbook be on the script to, to be reviewed and run in that practice. You shift from that mindset to today, the, well, for Utah, it happened Friday. For BYU, it happened Monday. Um, you come out and you have a proposed game plan. Uh, the nice thing about a week one, and it's the same as a bye week, is you normally, you come out on Monday, you're kind of throwing things at the wall. Tuesday, you run all your experimental stuff while you're, um, while you're also repping all the stuff, you know, your, your week in, week out stuff that you think is going to be good. And by Wednesday, the game plan is pretty much set with some minor tweaks. The nice thing about that is that Monday, Tuesday gets extended. You probably get four total days. So you get to do some more experimenting with what might work specifically against what schemes you might see in week one and do some of those. But that's, that's the biggest thing is the number of plays being called and or being repped in a given practice or called in scrimmage or skelly or whatever goes from 100% of the playbook to you know any given week a good play but a good playbook is dialed into about 20 to 30% of what you're going to do as far as base plays and then you're just throwing window dressing on running running different concepts out of different formations motions and looks on the defense but the whole thing is shifting from installing and accumulating knowledge to what is actually going to work when the lights come on after kickoff asking this question a lot to people that have popped on the show former players and coaches this week 
Are you a fan of opening your first game of the year with a big name opponent? You know, Utah and Utah State are doing that. Or do you like to get one under your belt? You know, BYU is going to play actually a couple before they play Arkansas. Where, where do you kind of stand? Because I can see it both ways. As a fan and a broadcaster, I like opening with that big game. I love that Fowler and Herb Street and Holly Rowe are going to be up there on the uh, on in eight days, and Utah's opening with Florida because I feel like you've got your whole off season to get geared up for it, especially when you've got a veteran team coming back. But I can see the other side of it too, wanting to get that you know that I don't know if gimme's the right word, but that that little bit easier opponent out of the way before you play a big one. How did you feel about it? I like using the uh, I like using the the lesser opponent as a as a bona fide bye week. Um, uh, now on the teams that I played on, we were able to take care of business. We played Weber State and Idaho State, and for our starters, we were basically out by halftime. I know some. Sometimes schools don't do that. So you like having that as late in the season as you can, and hopefully it's not close to a bye week, so you can kind of take that FCS and, and the other one out. Here's, uh, uh, And then just I'll speak from my experience. So my junior year and my senior year. My junior year, obviously I didn't even start the season as a starter. We had Jay Keats and we were figuring some things out, but I get thrown in, you know, finish out 7-1. and one. So, you know, we, we lost to Texas week two of that, of that game, uh, and we had the ball with, you know, in a two minute drill situation and just really didn't execute, had a chance to beat Texas and Austin. Would have loved to got them on the back half of the season. So there's one to maybe get some, to get a little bit more warm up under your belt before you do that. But conversely, now let's go to my senior year. We played Notre Dame and I think week seven or eight. That was the, they were ranked three at the time. That was the year they played Alabama in the national championship. They got wrecked, but they were a good club. But by that by that point in the season, we were down two running backs. We were down our starting X receiver and of the five linemen that we started the season with uh, up front. We only had two left hanging on on the, on the offensive line. We had just, at least from an offensive standpoint, had been decimated. So I, you know, I lay up at night. Have we been able to play Notre Dame with our full contingent of of Week One starters? You know, the guys who had earned it either in years prior or had learned it through the off season in spring and, and fall camp we, we ended up losing that game by three points and you know here i'm sitting wondering like man if we would have had our full o, o line if we would have had some more depth of running back would have had the full contingent of wideouts that's got to at least count for three points and we're headed to overtime right so those are the what if games but but bill knee jerk is i like starting off the season with a bang the you get so few opportunities to play in football Fans are geared up. Players are geared up. Players don't want a tune-up game. Players want to come in out the gate. They're chomping at the bit. I understand in hindsight, you know, you may make some mistakes. And obviously with Utah down there in the swamp and Cam Rising's management of that last-minute, like, goal line situation, uh, Cam and probably everybody else is like, well, if that happens, you know, week seven, he's got the experience. He probably manages that differently. It probably comes out in Utah's favor. But those are just the breaks. I think let's start the season off with a bang and marquee matchups in week one or week zero. They get my vote all the way. I think ideally, though, <laughs> if Mark Harlan and Kyle Whittingham could probably do a do a, a, a mulligan on the scheduling, they'd stick Weber in week two and not go from Florida to Baylor on home and then on the road. You'd, you'd like that buffer game in between before you played another P5 school. That is one. Like, come out, let all the aggression come out, all the energy. Go make your mistakes, you know, win or lose. But then, yeah, it's it's tough because essentially, you know, it's almost like they're starting conference play out the gate. I do agree with you that while I like week one, week zero starting off with a bang, yeah, let's you want to schedule in a team in there where you can kind of go out, 
You can run some of your best. You know, it takes some pressure off your staff knowing that they can just kind of put some of your base stuff in there. It gives your players a chance to go out and really execute their base stuff against at a high level because they're not being, you know, challenged every play. And, look, as a player, you want to be challenged every play every week. But also you need those opportunities to kind of hone your craft. So I, I'd agree with you there, Bill. That uh, I, the I think, and this we'll get into scheduling. I think the Pac-12 is a, a little bit. It's going to be top-heavy this year. So I think Utah will find some of those. Uh, I, I think they'll find some conference uh, games, which in the past have been really tough matchups. I think they'll find those maybe a little bit easier. But boy, it's uh, they're not getting any freebies because of the way they're starting off the season. Well, I, I don't know, Riley. I mean, maybe Cal. Maybe, maybe, maybe Colorado, but they have to play Washington. They have to play the four other teams ranked in the top eighteen. They've got to play UCLA, who was twenty eighth. Um, they've got to play Arizona, who a lot of people think is on the rise a little bit this year. There, I'm telling you what the, the conference for for Utah. They they may have the toughest conference schedule, not necessarily the way it lays out, but just the number of of the opponents they've got to play this year. They don't see Wazoo. And they don't see uh, and they don't see Stanford this year, but they see everybody else. It's it's going to be a tough road. I think by the time they see Colorado, that'll be a pretty beat up team. But that's that's a pretty it's a tough schedule for Utah for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I, I and you mentioned Wazoo and Stanford, who I think are the consensus teams that are in rebuild or kind of the basement dwellers. Uh, just just one man's opinion. I think like I mean UCLA is always tough, but. You know, DTR was such a huge part of that uh, of that team, and and uh, and then coming back, I'm not believing the Oregon State hype. I know they're really hyped. Uh, I don't think that Longalile is is going to make all the difference in every. And I know they had a solid D and 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 some of that, but I, I'm not buying that hype. Arizona's on the rise, but I think Utah is to the point where I don't know that that poses a real tough challenge. But no, when you look at Utah's schedule, first of all, interesting that they get seven home games. That's a pretty cool little deal. But it's offset by the fact that they start out, they go Florida Baylor, and then they have to catch USC and Washington both on the road. Um, those two, those two, that the, the way their first two games, and then having to face their two cut, cut toughest in conference opponents on the road to me um, erase any smile that you might have on your face of only having to go on the road five times. Our friend Riley Nelson with us here on the Bill Riley Show today joins us weekly to talk a little bit about what's going on in state football. What are your expectations for Keaton Slovis this year with BYU? This is a guy that you know looked like he might be the next great USC quarterback, and then got got Wally pipped in a way by by uh, injuries a little bit, but also by Caleb Williams. So he goes to Pitt, and you know Pitt Pitt hit solid there, but not spectacular. Wanted to come back out west. He's he's in a good spot where he knows he's the guy. But what are realistic expectations in in a new offense with uh, with good weapons? I wouldn't say great, but certainly good weapons around him and a, a little bit of a rebuild offensive line. What are your expectations this year for him? I think I think the dude's set up to throw thirty touchdown passes. Okay. I really do. Um, uh, I think the yards that he put up at SC. I don't know that he's going to get as many yards. A couple reasons. Uh, A-Rod is always going to start with the run. That They've proven their outside zone. That is their identity. It's the same thing. You know, it's pulling off kind of the Shanahan, McVay. You know, we're going to start with zone run, and everything's going to be built off that So for two reasons. So, one, I think they'll run it more than he did at SC and he did at Pitt. And then the second reason why I don't think he'll get as many yards is at SC, you know, he – 
playing quarterback at SC is one of the best jobs in the world because undoubtedly two to three times in a game, you're going to throw a pass that doesn't even, maybe may not even pass the line of scrimmage, or maybe it goes five yards past the line of scrimmage. And the dude that catches it is going to make a couple dudes miss and sprint down the field for like 50, 60 easy yards, right? I think at BYU more, his yardage is going to come from him putting the ball in the air and having to push it down the field. But I also think he's, he's got that capability. So he may not have some of the, you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't know about 3,500 yards. Uh, you know, he, he's going to, he's going to be around somewhere around 3,000 if he's healthy and plays all 12 games. But what I do know is getting into the red zone and A-Rod's creativity and throwing 30 touchdowns, I, like, I, I think that's there for them. I think they're high on, uh, I think they're high on their backs. It's going to be Aiden Robbins and, uh, LJ Carter in the back and, uh, or, um, sorry, LJ. I'm, I'm blocking on anyway, the young kid, the freshman. So I think they got a nice one-two punch there. We talked last when I was on last week. He's got he's got enough. He may not have the USC caliber dudes, but he also SC also didn't have like tight ends in big time receiving targets, and his backs weren't really catching out of the backfield, which I think he has at BYU. So maybe lacking that top talent on the edge is made up for by having truly three to four options uh, to distribute the ball to on any given play. We heard Kyle Whittingham tell me on the coaches show last night, Nate Johnson has made huge strides over the last week and a half. And that's really been because Brandon Rose got injured. More reps were coming his way. Uh, it's his second year in the offensive system, getting more reps than he's ever gotten before. He's an elite athlete. That's, as you know, there's some things you can and some things you can't coach. You can't coach 10-5 speed and athleticism. But for you, going back in time, you know this. The more reps you get, the more comfortable you're going to be in things. When did you start to really feel comfortable as a young quarterback? When did you really feel like, okay, I, I, I've got this handled? I'm, I'm sure there was at some point before you went to BYU at Utah State you did, but how long did it take you? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so let me let me just qualify for you, Bill. Are you talking like in my development, maybe even in high school? Are we talking in college? No, in college. No, I'm talking, I'm talking about in college. I'm not, not high school, yeah, so in college. In college I, I came in, and I don't know how serious it was or not, but in fall camp, I was – I mean, there was a period there. It was Leon Jackson and I. Leon Jackson had finished the previous season as a starter. And, like, we were kind of in a quarterback competition. I remember for probably four or five practices there as a freshman, we were splitting we were splitting ones and two reps evenly. So um, that helped prepare me a lot. I ended up not winning the job, and they, they thought to maybe redshirt me. That only lasted a few – that lasted four games before I got thrown in. Uh, so I saw I got I got a second half against Idaho, but I do feel and then it came in my first start and we were able to get a win against the Fresno team, which I felt pretty comfortable. I I wasn't I didn't feel comfortable enough to be my full playmaking self. That probably came after three or four games of of live bullets. But having had the experience in fall camp, which is the case for for you know Utah for these quarterbacks, uh, getting you know getting plenty of those reps. And then the one thing they won't have is, you know, I had a, the second half of a blowout to kind of to kind of take some chances and, you know, test the waters of a little bit. I threw two touchdowns. I mean, we were down, I think, 35. So my two touchdowns didn't mean much. But I did throw two touchdowns in, in kind of a blowout. And, th- and then having that full week of practice going into my first start, really uh, I felt comfortable at least not, like I said, not with the full complement of my playmaking ability or with the full playbook, but at least, and this goes back to how we opened our conversation with the game plan that was in place for us and against Fresno. 
during that week, I felt very confident in my ability to go out on Saturday and execute that game plan. And I, that, sh- that should be the case for Utah. No, no matter who trots out there, Ludwig, is, he's been around this. This isn't the first time he, you know, hasn't had his starters the, as a disposal. The, the guy's a 30-year vet in the coaching industry. He's going to dial in a game plan that's going to highlight the strengths. It's going to hide the weaknesses. And then, um, you know, it's just a matter of a quarterback of being calm, trying not – understanding – and that's the other thing. When you're the backup and you're a young dude coming in, no one expects you to go win the game like they expect Cameron Rising to win. Rather, they expect you to not lose the game and provide opportunities for the other 10 guys on the offense around you to, to perform and excel. Talking to Riley Nelson here on the Bill Riley Show today. Before we let you go, we've got a player over-under – on win totals. I've set the over-unders based on what some of the Vegas lines were. So uh, I want your over or under on win totals, and then I want your record. I want you to give me the record you think these, regular season record that you think these teams end up with. We'll start with your your beloved Cash Valley Aggies. Utah State, kind of an unknown. Nobody's quite sure what to make of this team this year. Uh, Vegas and Bill Riley, the, the Riley line is four and a half wins for Blake Anderson's team. So four and a half wins, are you going over or under that for the Aggies? I think um, I'm going off coaching track record. I think Blake Anderson knows full well his back is against the wall, and I think he's going to surprise a lot of people with his coaching job. I think they squeak out ball eligibility. I'm going over at, at, at six wins. So you're saying six and six for the Ags, and they make a bowl. But here's what's tough. All right, here's my blue goggles. As I go through their schedule game by game, I only got them three guaranteed wins. <laughs> Idaho State, James Madison, and New Mexico. But I got a lot of swings. Like, I, I, we'll, we'll see if UConn was a fluke last okay. year. I know they're getting better, but we'll see if they were a fluke. I got Colorado State as a fluke. They get Nevada at home, I think, is a swing game. I, the, their Fresno, San Jose, San Diego State's going to – that's right in the middle of their schedule. That is going to be – that's going to be brutal down there. Um, I don't know enough about Air Force. That's kind of a swing game for me, but it's at Air Force, so I, you know I'll probably chalk that one up to an L. So basically, I got him. I got him with four swing games, and I need him to win three to get to my prediction. So there's a little bit of my uh, Aggie DNA coming through. To quote Ted Lasso, "It's the hope that kills you." So we'll see what happens there. Uh, BYU uh, over under on the Riley line slash Vegas line is five and a half. Are you going over or under the five and a half for the Cougs? I'm over, and again, I just think uh, so. I, I'm I'm sitting at seven and five with the Cougs, and I, this is one where I don't think it's as I'm as like blue goggles, uh, but you never know. Um, the the one win that I have marked up, so I got them beaten, obviously beating Sam Jose, Sam Houston, SUU. Uh, I got them beating Cincy because by uh, by every preview, Cincy's going to be down. West Virginia's going to be down. And uh, I, I think they'll get Iowa State. I think that'll be a, a slugfest, but I think BYU should have the edge on, on skill. The one that I have chalked up as a W that that I don't know, uh, but it's their first Big 12 game. It's Kansas, and I only got Jalen Daniels, and he's, pre, you know, he's preseason offensive player of the year and all that stuff. But I just think BYU – with Jay Hill, they should be able to corral him. I don't think Kansas is that great on defense. It's big. It's BYU's big, you know, first Big Twelve conference game ever. It is in Lawrence, so that is tough. There, it's going to be on the road, but that's kind of one of those ones where I think BYU may may sneak a win where it should be a, a swing game. And then, you know, 
here and then here's my swings for BYU. I got I got Arkansas and L. I got TCU and L. I got Oklahoma State as an L. Um, I got now. Here's the thing. I got Tech, Texas, and Oklahoma all as swing games. Although I don't honestly, I think they'll win like one out of those three. I just don't know which one. Tech they're going to get at home, so they may sneak on, but that one's going to be tough. I'm having trouble buying into all the Texas. Always seems yep. to like let all of us down and they're being hyped up just again this year and i gotta be honest i think the memory of jamal and Taysom is going to be in their dome there's a little there's a little bit of blue goggles but none of those i i I, I know that i know that the the covid gave people extra years that that was that was like nine years ago you think some of those kids on that tech those kids were in like junior high when that happened i know and sark was probably like still at washington or whoever no i mean the that that's one uh, my real thing there is i wonder the celebrity and all the hype around texas they do not seem to manage it well i wonder if by that point in the season i think that's week like eight or nine if quinn ewers is not playing absolutely lights out you might have rumblings of a quarterback controversy i don't know texas just always seems to let me down so maybe i'm holding out a little bit of hope there and then oklahoma the only reason i got oklahoma is somewhat of a swing is i do think Venables, like, he majorly underperformed. Lincoln Riley is not there anymore. Uh, Dylan Gabriel already faced BYU. Uh, you know, granted, it was a different team and it was years ago, but he faced him was at UCF. And while he's a very good player, BYU has the playbook on how to corral him as they whooped UCF in the, in their bowl game. And, but, and, you know, if you can get that game to be under, it's probably going to be the late game. So an 8 o'clock kick in Mountain, the second-to-last game of the season. Maybe BYU gets some snow, uh, and, and that can, you know, maybe some of those things go with Oklahoma. So while it's maybe a little blue goggles to have some of those a swing, like I said, I don't think they'll win all. Or, sorry, I don't I don't even expect them to win two out of three. I think they're going to get one of those three between Tech, Texas, and Oklahoma. I just don't know which one. And then that put so there you go. That puts you at 7-5 and five with maybe my most, like, blue goggle optimistic being that win at Kansas and then knocking off either Tech, Texas, or Oklahoma. I had him at 6-6. Six six. I took the over two on him. I had him at 6-6. Six and six. I wasn't quite as optimistic as you, but I had him on the over at 6-6. Six and six. All right, last one. Utah, this, is, this seems like a silly number to me in Vegas, but they, it stayed here all offseason. Eight and a half for Utah. Wow. I, I had no clue it was that low. I got Utah. I got Utah at 11-1, and I think I just uh, – I and but keep in mind this is all contingent upon – Cam Rising being back and doing that, I I do think, um, I do think they'll drop one of their first two if Cam's not ready for for week one and week okay. two. I just think that uh, Florida at home and Baylor on the road would be too tough for a guy getting his first starts under his belt, um, unless unless the defense and special teams is really able to to work miracles, which I think they have, but. But even with Cam full strength, I just think having to go on the road with USC and the way that USC lost to Utah in Salt Lake last year and all that, that's going to be highlighted on SC's schedule. And then is, if Washington has uh, Penix Jr. At, at full strength, uh, having to go up to Seattle, I just it's hard for Utah going into both of those places coming out 2-0. and So with full Cam rising, I think they pick up the first two. I got them at 11-1. So funny enough. Right, my allegiances, my heritage at Utah State, my allegiance to BYU as being an alum. The one school I don't have, I'm I'm 
the biggest over on Utah out of all three. So it's funny how those things work out. Yeah, well, I'm with you. The Vegas line is really low, but uh, Riley Nelson six and six for the Ags, seven and five for the Cougs, eleven and one with a healthy rising. We'll say ten and two if Cam misses the first two games, but still a good number for the Utes. All right, we've got to run. We'll have we'll be in game week next week. We'll be jacked up for it. I can't wait to talk to you and uh, have a good week. Love it, Bill. Thanks so much. Thanks, Riley. Riley Nelson, who joins us every week to talk uh, talk a little football with us.